Hello, this is Michael Zuber, and I wanted to thank you for choosing to spend a little time with one rental at a time. My life's mission is to help investors close 1 million rental properties. In order to tackle this crazy goal, I will need your help. If you like this episode or any of the content we produce, please share it on social media. If you get one of my books or perhaps one of our 500 cards, please take a selfie and tag one rental at a time. Now on with the show. Good morning, good afternoon, good evening, folks. Michael Zuber, one rental at a time. Back to bonus episode number four with the Lumberjack. How you doing, buddy? I'm doing super awesome. Honestly, that's a lot of data we covered those first three. That's a yeah. lot. For topic number four, I actually want to go something, go back to something we talked about briefly in episode one when we were talking mm-hmm. about reventure. And uh, I actually highlighted that I sold all my houses, right? Mm-hmm. There, there was a time in my 21-year career where I felt it was the right time to sell everything. <laughs> and I don't know that a lot of people realize um, that I did that. And uh-huh. I called it. And oh, by the way, since then, there was a time when I was selling my apartments because I thought they were overpriced. And I do think there are times real estate is overpriced and I will sell. I'm not a buy and hold uh, forever. Now, when I write an offer, my intention is to hold forever. But as I've said many times, if you want to overpay for anything that I own, uh, you can have it. So um, I thought we should go back and revisit that. Yeah. I mean, I think that I think what a lot of people don't understand about buy and hold real estate is that you don't hold it forever. It's buy it with the intention of holding it. You hold it as long as it's a strong asset. Mm -hmm. You know, guys like Chris Crone and guys like that, he actually drops properties between seven and eight years old. He's like, I don't want to do any of the major maintenance. I don't want to do the roofs. I don't want to do heating systems. I don't want to do that stuff. So after I've done one, I'll use it as a rental for five or six, seven, eight years. Mm. Then I get rid of it. And so for me, it's not really my strategy, but I sold my first duplex ever last year. I never sell duplexes, but I did it because the market was telling me to. So I know that for you, when you had that, you know, kind of walk me through your thought process, Mm -hmm. because I only sold two things last year. Mm -hmm. I sold my next to last single family because the other one has some hair on it and some situations to it that I couldn't just sell it at that point. Right. Although, as we talked about a couple of weeks ago in that episode, it's actually going on the market in two weeks. Yeah, cool. So talk to me through your process of, hey, you've got seven single family homes in a duplex mm-hmm. and exactly. you're starting to see some, you know, s- some things moving in some cracks. Mm-hmm. What kind of walk me through that decision process? Because there might be people in the same boat today. Yeah, this, this is why it's important. Because again, I, I do think there is a time you sell. And let's be clear, exchange right? Yeah. I did a 1031 yeah. exchange. Yes. But again, you have to sell first, right? Right. So uh, it's, uh, it's probably too late 2005. Uh, I'm still very much a, a newbie real estate investor. Uh, the first seven transactions or, or eight transactions are great. They're all cash flowing a little bit less on the last one than the first one, just because prices are up. Right. Mm-hmm. And um, I am, I'm looking around for my next deal. And at this point, prices are stupid. Mm-hmm. But, but I didn't know they were stupid. Right. I just knew that I couldn't get cash flow on a 30 year mortgage. Now, if you know the story of the great recession or with the buildup to it, a lot of people got around that by doing these two and 28 loans, two years at 1.9% that then changes to 7.9. I uh, never wanted anything but 30 year money. Mm-hmm. I just didn't want that risk. It just felt, 
it just, it didn't feel right. And thank God. Yeah. Right. Thank God it didn't <laughs> feel right. So yeah. we, we were looking around for, I don't know, six or seven months. Cause again, I, I have focus. I have a buy box. I look at it every day. It's just, it's the same thing I do today. I was doing back then. And then I go to a real estate meetup. Again, I go to real estate meetups all the time. You just never know where you can get that one gym. I hear Bruce Norris, who used to be a Southern California investor who has since moved to Florida. He talked about um, the upcoming crash, which I only thought real estate went up, right? Unless right. you were sure. in Houston for the oil, because I'd done all these readings, right? Oil crash in the 70s, SNL when they changed the tax treatment. I, I knew a crash was theoretically possible, but didn't see one coming. So then uh, he introduces me to this term called affordability index, which I knew nothing about. Totally naive. He goes on to show chart after chart after chart. He's a data guy, right? He's just chart, chart, chart. And I'm like, all right, I got to go figure out the affordability index for Fresno, California. Thankfully. But he's, but he's actually good, but he's actually good with data. <laughs> oh, that's all. Dude. Yeah. yeah. It, 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 th this guy's not a three chart guy. This guy, he does reports with 380 charts. It's like I, just just insane like i love numbers and even my eyes gloss over the amount of wind coming off of people's propellers on the top of their hats in that in that conference must have been yeah he was he's 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 a legend if you haven't looked up the norris group yet oh i have yeah you're missing he out he's he's, he's spectacular he's, he's the man yeah he's the only actually now i've done twice i actually paid to go see him speak at a, a weekend event um, hundreds of dollars. I went to go see it. Cause I just had, I had to, I was like, I had to go pay my respect, right? You saved Olivia and I, here's a thousand bucks. I want to go shake your hand and get a picture. I'm like, damn dude. Anyways, I, I, I did that. I went, it was in Sacramento. Anyways, I did that. Um, so again, affordability index, I'm lucky enough in California. It's right there at california.org, right? California association of realtors, it's car.org. And sure enough, Fresno, California is a major MSA. And at the time it was monthly. They now do it quarterly. I go on to see that the affordability index in Fresno, California has precipitously dropped from where it was in the sixties mm -hmm. down to the low twenties. And then I go back and look at the last 40 years and go, Holy shit. I think he's right. Yeah. How this, this, it can't go any lower right? Just mathematically speaking. And this is where my head kicks in. Oh, the two and 28s and we're getting off. And then, you know, I'm, I'm turning down tenants as uh, tenants uh, because they don't make enough income. And then they're buying a home. I'm like, this can't end well. So um, that was a sign. Uh, we did one 1031 exchange, Norris Drive, which I've talked about a lot. Uh, and then that worked out well. We still have that apartment that we bought with that money. And very quickly, after Norris Drive was done, it was kind of a test, right? Because 1031, never done one, didn't know anything about commercial lending, all of that stuff. It worked out and uh, we very quickly sold everything else. And uh, we went from eight units to, to 80 in about a 13 or 14 month period. Uh, again, there are times you have to sell. There are times it's a bubble. Uh, for me, it is very clear. It's 100% the affordability index. I look at it every quarter. That's now when it's report because it doesn't move that much. I expect affordability index to go down because rates have shot up. And if affordability in my market goes below 25, I will start selling. And if it goes below 20, I'll sell <clears> everything. <throat> so uh, I do think there's a time to sell. It's, it's uh, certainly a time to sell a single family home. So 
that's that's the kind of story. Um, and again, I exchanged, so I didn't pay the tax man. Um, and again, just so we're clear, I did sell apartments in 19, right? Because I thought we were going into a recession. Uh, it turns out if I would have kept them a couple of years, I made a lot more money, but who would have guessed a pandemic was coming? Uh, and then uh, I sold a troubled triplex uh, this last year. Um, and I just paid the tax man. Um, sometimes you got to sell a problem, a problem property. So I do think there are times you sell. Uh, I, I do think you can predict the top or at least be close. Uh, we were early. I sold Norris Drive for 264. It goes all the way up to 300. So I left 10% in the property, uh, but it ultimately <clears throat> retrades after it's foreclosed at 75. So I avoided a, a quite large drop. So yeah, I do think there's times to sell. If you'd only watched Reventure and you paid him $5 in a super chat, he could have told you not to sell that stuff. So <laughs> the second thing is what's really interesting is, is that the one sign that I had when I thought the market was going to get wonky was um, I could not get a high credit score renter anymore. Yeah. Everybody cool. that I got, the pool was horrible. It was a pool that was full of pee and band-aids. Mm -hmm. It was a horrible pool of renters. And so I saw that happening kind of in 07 and then beginning of 08. And again, I only have eight units at that point, but <clears throat> the people that I rented out to were markedly less qualified than the people that I rented out to the previous year. And I, I mean, I had units on the market for two months where I had a ton of showings and it was like, everybody had a 570, 580 credit score or a 610. And then finally, when somebody pops with a 630 and I'm like, okay, that's not really good enough to buy a house right now or kind of is, but they're gonna, you know, you're gonna actually also have to have a pretty decent job income wise. They're not taking on at 50% debt to income like I am. It's upset everything. And so I had to get worse renters. That's why in August of 08, I had eight people paying rent. In September, I had three. In October, I had one. Oh. That's how that went. And that's the way that it went was because they were people that didn't care about their credit. They were spending their money on this stuff. I literally remember showing up at the guy's house to get the rent check. And he was uh, the month behind plus the month that he owed for that month. And I literally knock on the door and he comes to the door and two dogs come rushing out at me. No dogs allowed on the lease. Two dogs came rushing at me and they were Cocker Spaniel purebred puppies. Mm. And I'm like, how can you afford those when you're late on rent? And they just didn't care. They wanted what they wanted. So at the end of the day, yeah. I agree with you. There is absolutely a time to sell. When you see the last six months reading of our affordability index are seven, four, one, two, one, three. Mm. Yeah. Like it's, so we've sold every single family we have except for the one. And the one that we still have is still going on the market because it's unaffordable. It's single yeah. family homes are unaffordable in this market right now. Yeah. Very cool, man. I appreciate you. Where can people find you? Lumberjack Landlord on YouTube, Lumberjack Landlord on Instagram, and then our awesome live stream on Sundays at 1130 a.m. Eastern time. Awesome. Thanks, buddy. Thanks, Mike.